This is Happiness Solved with America's Happiness Coach, Sandy Scarlatta. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode. I am so happy you're here. So before I introduce today's guest, I want to share with you my four simple tips on self-love. You see, so many people are looking for love, and what they do not realize is that they need to learn to love themselves first in order to have a healthy, loving relationship with someone else or their soulmate. In a Psychology Today article by April Eldemeyer stated that more self-love will attract healthier relationships. So tip number one is forgive yourself and others. When you are holding on to bitterness for someone else or for yourself, forgiveness is essential. Remember, forgiveness is letting go of the bitterness so you are free to love instead. Tip number two, stop comparing yourself. So often we compare ourselves to others wishing we had someone else's looks, their money, their relationship, the car, the house. But when you compare yourself to someone else, all you're doing is reinforcing that you're not good enough and you are good enough. Tip number three, stop criticizing yourself. That critical voice in your head is sabotaging any chance to love yourself and to love someone else. Instead, talk to yourself like you are talking to a child that is upset, being gentle and compassionate. And lastly, tip number four, accept yourself. You need to work on accepting yourself exactly the way you are. Understand and know that you are perfect. So if you'd like to learn more about me, you can visit my website at www.sandyscarlotta.com. So thank you so much for listening today, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Today's guest is Jackie Simmons. Jackie is the director of the Teen Suicide Prevention Society, and she's also a transformational coach. Let me tell you, folks, this is one episode you do not want to miss. Hello, Jackie. How's it going today? It is a wonderful day, and I'm so glad you asked. I'm doing, doing great. Andy? I'm doing great. It's Life couldn't be better, as a matter of fact. <laughs> so, Jackie, we have so much to talk about, and you do such amazing work. So I'm going to let you decide where we're going to go first, because we've got two different topics that we're going to cover today. But before we get there, I want to know how you got to where you are today, because everybody has a story. Everybody has a story. Well, yes. And I've been running a story. As a matter of fact, I finally figured out that it was the story that I was telling myself you know, the story that we are buying and selling ourselves over and over again in our minds. It was that story that I was living. It was like Groundhog Day. I would get excited, start something new, whether it was a new relationship or it was a new business. Um, I spent a fair amount of time as a single mom. So finding ways to keep a roof over my kid's head is how I became an entrepreneur. So my entrepreneurial journey started when the child support stopped and I had three young kids and I got to the end of the month 
and I could pay daycare or I could pay rent. Mm. I couldn't. That's a tough one. <laughs> and I know there's a lot of people going through I, that right now. I had a friend who said, you know, have you thought about having a home-based business? And with my kids, they were five, three, and one. So I fast-tracked through becoming a licensed family daycare provider and started doing what now I know. I was actually doing marketing. I was networking. I was doing referral-based marketing. I didn't know any of that language. What was I doing? Walking my kid to the bus stop every morning to send her to kindergarten and telling all the other parents at the bus stop that I was now doing licensed family daycare and did they know anybody because I had openings. Wow. I didn't know that was called business. (laughs) I knew that I had rent to pay at the end of the month. Yeah. So motivation. It was years later when I started expanding and getting into all of the other business opportunities that were available in the 80s and the 90s. And I started doing something called networking, meaning I would go to these little trade show type things that they would have by the local chamber of commerce. And a lady pulled me aside and said, you know, I teach networking skills. Would it be okay if I gave you some help? <laughs> Absolutely. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. uh, what's funny is that five years later, I was teaching a workshop called Confessions of a Networking wow. Junkie. <laughs> because my daytimer looked like alphabet soup. I was a member of every organization out there. Well, you know, we do what we got to do. And when you have children, you that's their motivation. So that's, that's awesome. <laughs> it, it was motivation. But here's the challenge. I mean, I went to hundreds of networking events and I gave out thousands of business cards. I built up a lot of goodwill because I was enthusiastic about what everybody was doing. And I also had very few clients and I didn't understand why. And this was a trend that continued. I did what you do. I hired business coaches and then I fired business coaches. Yeah. And I went on the journey and I got some success. I got, I was getting by, but I wasn't getting great. And it wasn't because I didn't get great results with my clients And by then I was clearly labeled as a stress management and business consultant. The challenge was the story that I was telling myself. And it was only on August the 3rd, 2019, when I was hosting my own three-day event. And part of it was teaching how to deliver a seven-minute message that matters. And it was on August 3rd, 2019, that my middle daughter, she was 37 at the time, her name is Stephanie. Stephanie, oh my God, uh, she looked gorgeous. She looked just amazing. Her hair was pulled back in comb. She had on a dark blouse and a flowery skirt. And she walked confidently up to the front of the room, shook my hand, and started with a startling statistic. It's a great way to start a seven-minute talk except that her statistic was 3,000 a day. 3,000 a day, the number of teenagers who attempt to take their own lives. 
3,000 a day? And that was in 2019. Has it increased? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We can't get current numbers, but we know the statistics. They give us the numbers of the deaths. They can't give us current numbers on the attempts. And even if they did, they wouldn't be accurate right? because it's not like they all get reported. Well, and then also you've got that, the HIPAA rules. And if they're under 18, you know, there's that, they need to be kept confidential. So that makes sense. That day changed my life. And that was before COVID. And what happened was in the back of the room, I started going pale. I mean, I could feel the blood drain from my face because the next thing Stephanie said was when I was 14, after a bad day of shopping, I stood in my bathroom. The pain of not fitting into clothes just was more proof that I didn't fit in anywhere. And that pain was more than I could bear. So I took a razor and cut into my left arm, trying to stop the pain and my life. And you didn't know about this? Oh, I had lived through it. We hadn't really talked about it. Okay. We did everything that you do. I mean, we did you know, counseling, therapy, medications, interventions, hospitalizations. And she had survived 13 more attempts. Oh, my God. Are you... Jackie, you, you, you lived through that? You ever been hijacked by a bad memory, Sandy? <sighs> I, I can't even, through. I'm like sitting here trying not to cry because my son oh. is 21 and mm-hmm. it's like the worst parent's nightmare. How did you, how did you live through that? It's called depression. Oh. <laughs> I had two bouts of clinical depression of my own and It was this story. You know, we're really good at buying and selling ourselves stories. And Sandy, I sold myself on the idea that as long as Stephanie was getting professional help, we didn't need to talk about it. Wow. And, you know, why bring it up again? I mean, heaven forbid I should put the thought back into her head. Right. Well, well, that's... Oh, by the way. Yeah, and that's where you... Yeah, I ugh. and it's a myth. Yeah. For it's sure. It's a myth. You cannot put the thought into someone's head. It's it's not possible. They've proven this with scientific studies. But what we're really afraid of is that the thoughts already there and it's we might aggravate it. Okay, because- so let me pause you for a second. So yeah. mm-hmm. you're saying that scientific studies show that by talking with your daughter about her suicide attempts would put it the idea in her head to, to maybe nope. keep doing it, the, but that's a myth. The opposite. The op- yeah, that's a myth. It's the a studies myth. Show, the studies show that you cannot, not, not, you cannot put a thought in someone's head, but the mythology is that you can. Right, because it's you something can. you don't want to talk about because you're so afraid that, God forbid, she succeed, Right. And, and then you'd be going, oh my God. And I tried to talk to her about it and then she succeeded at it. And yeah. Okay. So that's an important thing to emphasize that if you have a teen 
or a child who who has attempted suicide, you want to talk to them about it, correct? Hold it. No, here's why. Okay. Are you ready? Okay. The first sign that a kid's in trouble is often an attempt and they don't all survive. If you wait until you know your child is struggling with suicidal thoughts, we believe you're looking for trouble. Okay, so let's let's walk the audience through. You have a suspicion that your child is thinking. <laughs> I got an I got an idea, Sandy. Are you ready? Yes. Can I myth bust something? Please. How about if we demonstrate how to talk to someone about suicide? Please go for it, because because right. I want to I want to know, and I know everybody else is dying to know as well. Yes, that that was All a right. bad choice of words, but yes, you know what I mean. Start with an invitation. Here we go. Here's the invitation. Sandy, I'm part of the mission to make teen suicide a thing of the past. They gave me a guide. I need to practice. You got a few minutes I could practice with you? You could help me? Absolutely. Cool. It's only four questions. Are you ready? Absolutely. Question one. Sandy, have you heard about the rise in teen suicides? Yes, I have. Thank you. Question two, Sandy, do you have a story? Do you have a friend who's tried or died? Yes, I do. Thank you. Question three, Sandy, have you ever thought of leaving that way? 30 years ago, yes, I did. Thank you. Sandy, today... Why stay? What are your reasons for staying? Well, for me, there's a multitude of reasons. <laughs> but yes, yeah. My biggest motivation is I love myself. I love my husband and I love my son and I love my life. So my, my, awesome. my, my reasons today are very different than they were 30 years ago. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's only today that matters. Right. So when we're doing the talk that saves lives, which is what we call this short script, we actually ask it another way as well. Sandy, another way to look at this is to just wonder, what's so good about your life that you want more of it? Mm. Yeah, exactly. That's a great question to ask. Because I think that, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing that a lot of times teens are focusing so much on what's not right in their life and they're not thinking about what is so good in their life. Is that, is that a good assumption? The whole world is focused on what's not right in our lives. Right. Right. You can't turn on the media, any media, TV, radio, internet, anything without being bombarded with negative images. And what positive psychologists has realized is that our brain starts to think that that's the actual reality of negative to positive in our lives. Yeah. If that was a true representation of the ratio of negative to positive in our lives, we would all be in trouble. Oh yeah, no kidding. And, and that's what's happening. We have been bombarded and we have a natural negative bias hardwired into our brains anyway. It is the survival mechanism of the caveman. 
Yep. Caveman did not live very long if he didn't remember what was wrong. That's with a the shaking book. Right. And it's still in our DNA today. Oh, absolutely. Our brains have not evolved exactly the way people like to think that they have. Right. Our hardwired stress responses are still there. The natural negative bias that allowed our ancestors to survive is still alive and thriving inside our brains. And our worst case scenario problem solving mechanism includes suicidal thoughts for a reason. When you go, I'm never going to live like this again, two things happen. One is you've now made a declaration that, and you have an out. If it ever gets this bad again, I'm not going to live this way. So you've given yourself permission to say, okay, I I have a plan if it ever gets this bad again. And now you've got all of that energy freed up to be able to make it better. Mm. And it's amazing how the brain works. Um, Oh, and what just happened while we were talking about it with the the guide? You're going to like this, Sandy. Are you ready? Okay. You just started suicide proofing yourself. What happened in your brain is that we activated the energy around your memories and perceptions of suicide. So we activated the electricity in that neural pathway, right? Okay. So you, you, you remembered, you know the stories, you, you're aware. So that part of the brain has electricity in it. And then we flipped it over into reasons for staying. And you started thinking about and sharing out loud some of your reasons for staying. Right. In a one-on-one conversation, we ask, what else? And tell me more. Because when you hear yourself say that you have reasons for staying, your brain is always listening. So you now have built out this new neural pathway like a file folder in the file cabinet of your mind labeled reasons for staying. Mm, I so love now it. When a, now when a thought of leaving tries to come in, the filter has this little film over it now called reasons for staying. That is so freaking powerful, Jackie. Oh, thank you. Oh, no, it really is because, wow, like it's, it's, yeah. And I hadn't even thought about that for, well, when I was writing my book that was released earlier this year, I thought about it because I, I talk about it in there, how I didn't want to live, but I never mm-hmm. attempted suicide. I just didn't want to live anymore when I was abusing drugs. Mm-hmm. And the the way you reframed it is brilliant. So so talk talk a little bit more about because I know you are the director for an, an organization and forgive me I, I didn't when we were talking before we started recording I didn't have a chance to write it down so talk about the organization that you're working with and what they do to help suicide teenage suicide prevention I'm going to take you back a step to okay. the day August 3rd 2019 when Stephanie was delivering her seven minute talk because It was only my 30 years of stress management training that kept me from just crawling into a corner and howling. Oh, I can only imagine. Yeah. Stephanie shared about all the talks that we had had about sex and drugs and alcohol and 
her college experience on a dry campus. Um, oh, that means the kegs are hidden in the showers of the girls' dorm. <laughs> okay. And then she shared that we hadn't really talked about suicide. She hadn't talked about it outside of getting professional help. And she said she still struggled with suicidal thoughts. Mm. In the back of the room, I went from pale to bone cold. As I realized the struggles that my daughter had had to face alone because I didn't have the courage to have the talk about suicide. Stephanie wound up her talk by saying that along her suicide avoidant journey, she picked up tons of coping skills. Now she wanted to share those skills with teenagers before they need them. Right. Exactly. That's exactly right. And it's, it's needed today more than ever. The room, there wasn't a dry eye in the house, including mine. Stephanie got a standing ovation. I mean, they're up and people Aww. are rushing up to her and hugging her. And in the back of the room, I was totally frozen. Torn between pride for her bravery right. and guilt and shame. Yeah, yeah. I can only imagine, Jackie. That's, that's incredible. Then it hit me. What if Stephanie was right? What if the cure for teen suicide, the way to stop teen suicide was to have the talk about suicide before you think it's needed, before you think your kid or your loved one is struggling with suicidal thoughts? And I'm like, duh, we don't wait to talk to our kids about alcohol until after they've lost their license usually. We don't wait to talk to them about drugs until after they're in rehab. And we don't wait to talk to them about using, you know, condoms. (laughs) Like I had to talk talk to my son. Right. We talk to them about sex before they're pregnant. Exactly. Yeah. It's no kidding. It is. It's a total dumb moment. Like, duh, of course. Like I remember you know, my, my son's father was not in the picture for a long time. And I remember having the conversation with him about condoms and I even showed him how to put it on using my fingers. <laughs> right. So yeah. it was, it was, yeah, it's not a conversation most moms have with their kids, but it was one that needed to be done. So why are not, why aren't parents having that conversation with their kids? Is it just that incredible fear that they're afraid that my God, if I actually talk to them about this, it's putting that idea in the head. Is it, does it go back to that? It, well, that's one. That's, okay. that's one. I call them elephants. That's one of the elephants on Myth Island that you can put an idea into their head, especially this one. So that's one. The second fear is I don't know what to say. That's the second reason parents don't talk about suicide. Their parents talk with them about sex, drugs, and alcohol, or they saw the public service announcements. You remember those? You oh, this is oh, your yeah. brain with the egg. Yeah. Yep. This is your, this is your brain. Yeah. This is your brain. This is your brain on drugs. Yes. I remember that. Yeah. So we used to have public service announcements that gave parents at least a starting place for a conversation. When it comes to suicide, there's no starting place. Clinicians are not taught how to initiate a conversation about suicide. The same way the doctors are not well taught to initiate end of life conversations. And that right there is like what you just said is ridiculous that those conversations are not being had, especially with the way the statistics are, you know, 
even going back 10 years, 20 years. There are lots of programs out there, teen suicide prevention programs, suicide prevention programs. There are some great programs that teach you how to have the talk that intervenes. When you think someone's at risk, the questions, do you have a plan? You know, there, there are all of these trainings out there. And what we've realized is that not one of them is preventative. They all require you to believe that the person is at risk. You can't prevent suicidal thinking then. They're all based on the idea of how do you prevent suicide? What happened after that day? Stephanie and I decided to work together. And along with her sisters, we co-founded the Teen Suicide Prevention Society. And we started by asking, how do you stop suicide? Then we realized that the stigma, the parents were in such trouble. It's gotten to the point that we couldn't wait for kids to be at risk. We had to be more proactive than that. So we started answering a different question. And the question is, how do you stop suicidal thoughts from getting stuck in someone's heads? Because suicidal thoughts are normal. Getting stuck is where the problem is. We call that having a negative echo chamber in your mind. Have you ever tried not to think about something, Sandy? Oh yeah, and you think about it like tenfold. Exactly. I mean, we know that when you are trying not to think about something, you end up thinking about not thinking about it. You're actually doubling down on it. And you're right. Tenfold is easy to get to because it's exponential. That's where the issue is. So we started asking, how do we break open the negative echo chamber? How do we stop the perpetual motion machine of negativity, the downward spiral? And that's how we ended up with the guide for the talk that saves lives. So you have a, a guide that is mm -hmm. called the talk that saves lives. Yes. And it's available for free along with the full training on how to use it. And that's um, a simple website. It's just talksthatsavelives.com. And anyone can have it. We want everyone to have it. We're out to change the trajectory because right now the numbers are going up. And the lack of conversation is the problem. But it's not just any conversation because you know what happens. I mean, you ask a kid to sit down and have a talk with you. The first thing that happens is their eyes roll back in their head. Right. And when that happens, it disengages their brain immediately. Right. For sure. So we got around that. We found a way to have them volunteer to have the talk. Oh, and here's what's really, really cool that I didn't mention yet. Not only did you start building out a buffer for yourself with that file folder labeled reasons for staying. Right. Sandy, every single person listening to this podcast had mirror neurons firing at the same time. So as you were answering the questions, their brains were answering the questions. Oh my gosh, so that's amazing. You flipped, they flipped. And so everyone listening to this now has a little bit of a bigger buffer between them and an edge they may not have even known they were near. Wow. 
We are going to take a quick break from today's interview because I am so excited to tell you about a new program that I've just rolled out. It includes two group coaching calls each month to help you create the lasting happiness you so desire. It's only a $50 a month investment in yourself and you are worth it. So visit www.sandyscarlotta.com slash courses to sign up. I hope you enjoy the rest of today's interview. Okay, so Jackie, people can get that guide from TalksThatSaveLives.com, correct? Yeah, absolutely. And we want everyone to have So, So in a nutshell, because I know you do a lot of other amazing work, talk a little bit about your um, transformational coaching. Along my journey to be able to support my daughter and myself through my own path out of both depression and chronic back pain, I picked up some skills like Stephanie, you know, tons of coping skills. What I realized is that the body, the mind, and the spirit can all be working together and we still could struggle. I call it riding a three-legged elephant. We're stable as long as we're holding still. And for me, the minute I started a new relationship or started something new in my business, decided to write a book or stand on a stage, that three-legged elephant took me on a herky-jerky ride. And I struggled and I stumbled and I suffered until I realized I was missing a piece. Body, mind, spirit, and Mm. emotions. So even though I had studied mediation, I'm a transformative mediator by training, and I had studied Eastern healing arts, which is how I cured myself of back pain. And I had said, I'm what they call a multi-certified okay. <laughs> expert. My daughters just say, mom, you're certifiable. Yeah. And, and I've got the That's wallpaper awesome. to prove it. But the, the re- <laughs> so I joined the Society of Emotional Intelligence and I met some amazing people and um Thanks to the framework called somatic intuitive training taught by Lance Ware, I became certified and part of his program and realized that he was ready to retire. I thought that it was time for this work to get out in the world. And I've spent the last seven years pulling in everything that I have studied and creating a transformational coaching program that not only guarantees transformational results, permanent resolution of at least two episodes of negative emotional history in the first session and every session. I'm now, yeah. And now I'm training other people to do that. And the results they're getting, even in just doing case studies are amazing. So I'm out to transform, not just the people I work with, Sandy, I'm out to transform the coaching industry, to give coaches the ability to stand in their certainty and to say, I can guarantee you a result. That's incredible. So where can people learn more about this this training that you offer? Well, believe it or not, I have a three-day event coming up. And so at successjourneyacademy.com is the wait list for that. So people can get on the wait list to get tickets for the three-day training, and I will unpack the process. I also have a two-hour masterclass that introduces some of the concepts, and we will get that published. Actually, 
I'm going to cheat and I'm going to redirect JackieSimmons.com to the replay of the masterclass so that people can go ahead and find that information. I've got, yeah, it's, it's such a, it's happening so fast. I don't even have the web pages all up. So it's like, thank you for inventing redirected yeah. <laughs> domain names. Yeah. That's awesome. Jackie, this has been so amazing. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with the audience today before we, we finish up? There's something scarier than what is happening in the United States around teen suicide. And that's what's happening in the slums, in the poorest sections of Nairobi, Kenya. And their suicide attempt rates make ours look like we don't have a problem. So we've partnered with the community organization inside the Makuru slums and are providing both suicide prevention training. We're also providing a hot meal for these kids every morning. And the attendance rate at school has gone from 23% to over 80% attendance because the kids are actually getting food. So our society, we have a page where you can join the society and for $27 a month, you can not only get support to change the suicide rates in our country, you can also support the mission in Nairobi, Kenya, to help make teen suicide. So, what is that website? In the past, and that it's Teen Suicide Prevention Society org. Oh, Jackie, this has been so amazing and such a, an incredible conversation that that needs to be heard. So, thank you so much, and I just wish you the best. Of, of luck, you know, with everything that you're doing. It's incredible. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you, Sandy. Thank you for all that you do. So that was such an incredible interview. There was so much valuable information that I hope that parents out there will listen to it, learn from it, and definitely go to the Teen Suicide Prevention Society.org website to learn more. I will make sure that all of the sites that we talked about are in the show notes and definitely look them up. This is a conversation that needs to be had. This is a conversation you need to have with your children so that we can prevent the growing number of teen suicides. So thank you so much for joining me today. You can learn more about me at sandyscarlotta.com. My podcasts, you can get all of them at happinesssolved.com. And as always, I hope that you and your family stay safe and healthy and that your lives are filled with peace, joy, and happiness. Take care, everyone.